The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Entrepreneurs and business leaders that are making so much more than profit in their enterprises. They're also giving back to the community, and so can you. Welcome to Be More, Achieve More, inspiration for the entrepreneurial mind with host Chris Cooper. If you are looking to make the most of yourself and your business, then you will want to stay tuned for the next hour. Here's your host, Chris Cooper. Hi, this is Chris Cooper of BeMoreAchieveMore.com, and I'm delighted to be back with you again for yet another week. And today we're going to talk about building extraordinary relationships in the workplace. But just very briefly, as I always do, I'd like to thank my guest for the show last week. And I'd like to thank Celia Delaney. Uh, Celia spoke with me about how to promote her business through your business through speaking and some really great content in there. Um, I, I mean, really great content. I made quite a lot of notes myself um, on that one. So do check it out. So on today's show... We're going to talk about building extraordinary relationships in the workplace. Now, Dave Bradley is a professional management speaker who's passionate about improving the middle, he says, not weight loss, but encouraging organizations to improve the performance of their line manager, uh, their team leaders and supervisors. He's worked with organizations throughout the UK, in Europe and the Middle East. Dave co-founded Cragrats Limited, a hugely successful training and education organization where he and his business partner pioneered the use of actors in business, training, and as agents for change with young people. These techniques have been much copied. And at one time, he was actually the second biggest employer of actors in the UK outside of the BBC. He's championed the UK National Training Awards and the Customer Experience Awards on many occasions. His team have won the UK Customer Service Excellent Awards on four occasions, six National Training Awards, and were twice in the Sunday Times Best Companies Awards. They've also been a restaurateur, and he says that managing chefs is like managing actors, but with sharp knives. Uh, so I'd secondly like to also welcome uh, Karen Kemper. Uh, Karen is a much sought-after personal coach with the stars and has worked with artists, football agents, uh, helping them and football agents, helping them to find the real person underneath the surface, bringing real results and turning lives around. And she's no uh, stranger to change. And early in her life, she was forging a successful career as a dancer in New York, taking the world by storm when a tragic accident finished a flourishing career. Faced with difficult choices, she had to start again after some soul-searching, hard work and sheer determination. She quickly built up a successful career as an actress, appearing many of the popular dramas and soaps gracing our TV screens. Coronation Street, Adele, Doctors, and moving on to the big screen in films like Blue Murder, The Eleventh Hour, and so, a big welcome to uh, Dave Bradley and Karen Asemper. Thank you. Hi, Chris. Thank you. Hey, great, great to have you both on the line. Um, Dave, are you okay? I believe you've been uh, getting stung by wasps. Yeah, yesterday managed to get stung by a wasp. Landed me in bed. So, uh, uh, hopefully, I'll stay awake because I'm on on the drugs now to keep me uh, to get the swelling down. But uh, <laughs> that, that's life in the fast lane, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> At least the one in the fast lane when I was driving, so that's important. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I know the feeling. I've been stung a couple of times uh, a week ago myself from a wasp nest in my garden. Um, so, and, and it kind of um, you know, this subject that we're going to talk about about building extraordinary relationships in the workplace. I mean, sometimes you do feel a bit if things don't go well, 
and you have a, a challenge with somebody, at times you can feel like you've been stung by a wasp. Yeah, and that's one of the things we, uh, you, know, you look at in management, you think, well, how do I make sure that I get a good relationship with people so that I don't get uh, taken away by the thought that people are just trying to sting me? So you know, I think that's why we need to perhaps discuss uh, today, how do we build extraordinary relationships in a business? Sounds good. So Dave, shall we start with with you? Let's let's understand, you know, from you and your sort of background, why developing extraordinary relationships has become particularly important to you and, and a topic that you like to talk about. Well, it's one of those things. A few years ago, I was at a leadership conference in the south of France, and a very sage, wise uh, uh, business guru called Jared Egan came out with the phrase: "Leadership is about getting results, which is beyond the ordinary." And ever since then, I've been thinking, well, how do we get extraordinary results in a business? And one of the things that we need to focus on is uh, how do we build extraordinary relationships? Because we must never lose sight of the fact that uh, building relationships is all about how do we achieve our business goals? I think a lot of people get uh, fogged down in the thought that, well, I'm managing people, but you forget where you're going with a business. And I think that's, that's an important thing. So gone are the days where you could actually pull rank on people and say, you know, I am the boss or I'm this level, yeah. uh, so you've got to listen to me. Equally important, Dave. I think equally important is building a relationship with yourself. Yeah, well, uh, yeah that's, that, that's, that's all well and good. But, uh, you know, sometimes we need to think about how do managers manage their people. You know, it's about getting results that where people can take action before they're told to do something. So, you know, it's, I think that's probably the most important thing. It's about yeah. goals and people achieving their goals. Yeah, it is. But if you don't understand yourself, how can you lead others? Yeah, well, I think you're partially right there, Karen, partially right. But I think uh, it's not just about starting with yourself, is it? You should start with a business, really. Well, what about yourself? Yourself running a business, though, isn't it? Well, perhaps, but, you know, it's about thinking, what do I want to achieve out of this business? Where am I trying to get to? What do I want my teams to achieve? Yeah, no, I, I understand that. But shouldn't we also look at ourselves? Because remember, we're all human at the end of the day. Yeah, well, that's you know, that's quite true. But uh, unless you're actually focused on, I've got a team that I'm working with, and uh, how do I get the best out of them so we can achieve the business goal? Really, you know, what's it, what's it matter about yourself? Well, no, it, it doesn't matter about yourself. Especially, I'm working at the moment in an organisation, um, and we have a lady at the top who is a CEO, and she's brought me in um, because of something which is called the stiletto effect, which was quite the pointed. Stiletto out. effect. Yeah, <laughs> stiletto effect. It exists, Dave. It's something that you know we need to be aware of. Sometimes, you know, women have to fight, get to the top. They're not going to let it go. So that does, it doesn't apply to men then. I'm talking about a woman, Dave. So I don't know how. I don't know how maybe. I don't know what term men have for it, but I'm talking about what a term that women have for it, which is the stiletto effect. So, you know, this particular lady, she's fought her way to the top in a team of men, and now she has women that are coming uh, up under her, but unfortunately she hasn't been helping. So that extraordinary relationship hasn't been built there. So, you know, something like I said, the stiletto effect does exist. It is about helping other people. Yeah, well, surely it's, it, she's still got to abide by, you know, what's the business there for, what are the goals of this organisation. So, you know, it, it's yeah. her responsibility, surely. 
Yeah, surely. Yeah, I understand that. But we also have to remember that we don't want our job to change our personality either, do we? Well, sometimes some people have got to give a bit, take a bit, you know, in order to make it successful. You know, I think, you know, you're just kind of ignoring the fact that we need to achieve goals in a business. You yeah, know, it's you not just about, about extraordinary relationships, didn't you? So yeah, it's just more than than just giving a bit, taking a bit. How can we build an extraordinary relationship if that's our attitude? Well, I, I think you're just kind of ignoring the point that I'm making here. Just sort of, you know, uh, how are you going to continue with a business unless you focus on the goals? You know, that's that's the important thing about building relationships, surely. No, it is. But also, we have to remember that people in a business—it's human beings that make a business, Dave. <laughs> well, yes, <laughs> that's quite true. And some people would argue that you know the business is probably better without customers and human beings in it but you know and the bottom line is it's all about you know making making a profit or making better customer service or whatever surely you know stiletto effects you know i you know take that with a pinch of salt to be quite honest can i just interrupt you both there um and i think it's yeah good i'm glad that you have <laughs> <laughs> i think it's probably about time that i let everybody in on uh, on our little secret and that uh, Obviously, Dave and um, Aaron are both involved in the acting world. And what we thought we'd do is have a little bit of fun where both of them fell out. So, actually, uh, nobody's actually fallen out yet. They are very good friends, I think, still. Is that the case? Yes, I still love Dave. That's yeah. yeah. <laughs> We've had these arguments before. Yes. <laughs> Many years ago, yeah. 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 <laughs> but only in training situations. Yes. <laughs> and what we thought would be uh, would be uh, kind of fun would be you know clearly sometimes fallouts and we probably all sat been in meetings and been in situations where two people have fallout and we quite probably have been in that situation ourselves on a number of occasions and it it become can become quite painful can't it it become quite painful for people to who listen in um, but what we thought would be great was maybe if you, for those of you who are listening who've got access to the computer you know if you could twitter in and uh, make some suggestions on what uh, both Dave and Karen could have done better or differently uh, to have been able to um, get on more effectively and you know have a, an extraordinary relationship in the workplace so if you want to send any twitters through to um, at Chris D Cooper that was my at Chris D Cooper and it's capital C Cooper Chris then capital D capital C Cooper Chris D. Cooper we'll have a look at those towards the end of the show and uh, get Dave and Karen to suggest or um, respond to some of those and have a little bit of fun with that so at Chris D. Cooper come back to that a little bit late, later on um, but let me just go back to the question I was asking you, Dave, at the outset before we started to fall out. <laughs> was was you know uh, ask Karen, you know Karen, you know from your background as well, you know why has this been um, extraordinary relationship been particularly important to you? Perhaps you know for your acting career, maybe. Well, I think we have to remember that the word relationship doesn't just mean a, a relationship with with a partner, and your working life is probably one of the biggest relationships that you will ever have. So I think if we spend, you know, a lot of time working on a relationship with uh, our colleagues, then our working life would go a lot more smoothly, don't you think? I think so. Yeah, I do. And, I, and I, that's a lot of the reasons why I get brought into companies sometimes, because people forget that we are human beings. And it's not just about, like I was saying uh, today before, that it's not just about 
running a business, you know, we have to remember that people are human beings and they do have human needs also. So, yeah, you know, it's about looking at a relationship, not just with our, with our loved one in that term and how much we'd focus on that. But sometimes you have to put that into your working relationship also. I'm kind of interested as well, Karen, you know, with, yeah. uh, with your, your background. If I, yeah. whenever I sort of turn on, if I, I've been a lot, quite a lot of years since I've done it, but, but when, I, when I've turned on to things like Coronation Street or Emmerdale Farm, um, they, they, more than more than often than not, somebody's having an argument and falling yeah. out. So I would imagine you're pretty well practiced at this stuff. Of, of what having arguments? <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and thinking about it, you know. Well, you know, you have to remember that every single person is individual, and I suppose uh, if we're thinking of if you're mentioning the acting world actors can be really really sensitive because it, it's a world where there's a lot of rejection you know all the time and and that also goes for directors casting directors so I suppose whatever uh world that you're in it's getting to know that so I know that when I'm when I'm maybe performing that I have to be a little bit different and really be careful of the terms I use and words I'm use when I when I'm working with those colleagues because they are different to maybe somebody you know I'm working with at the moment that work in the city and they're bankers and they're used to maybe harsher tones and, and working at a, a harder pace so it's getting to know your environment as well which builds an extraordinary relationship. It's quite interesting, Chris, in the, uh, the theatre world, when you are a director of a show, you've got a lot of uh, sometimes very fragile egos, and uh, sometimes if you give very harsh notes, because, you know, your role as a director is to get the best out of people, uh, to get the best performance out of people, and if you give very harsh notes saying, actually, that was a load of old rubbish, uh, it's likely that the, you, you're going to have to spend the next week trying to pick the actor up off the floor. Um, so it, it's a very skilled job being uh, yeah. a director, uh, and the relationships you build with your cast are really very delicate at times. Yeah, and you have to remember, you know, that that there's not just a, a one-size-fits-all approach to managing people, like we're saying, that people are really, really different. Yes, also, you know, through these these kind of breakdowns in relationships, you know, it can cost companies millions of pounds, can't it? And, and it can also cost managers a huge amount of extra time actually trying to resolve these issues. Yeah. Uh, wasted time, really. Yeah, it, a lot of the times it's poor communication, you know? So it, it could be, like I said before, it could be um, maybe the words... That, that you're saying to, to someone, you know, you know, you're not using the correct words to get the, the best out of a person. And we really have to look at how we are, you know, we're doing the words we use, our body language, and, and thinking about the person that we've got in front of us, remembering that they are different and their values and beliefs are, are probably, a, a, you know, a lot more different to ours. So we have to take time to understand that person. And like I said before, understanding that there's not just a one-size-fits-all approach. See, I think it's about getting the best out of the people in front of you. You know, as a manager, you want the best out of your team. I, I do quite a lot of triathlon coaching, uh, and you've got a lot of people of differing abilities, and the idea is to get the best out of whatever per the person is standing in front of you and get them to deliver their best. Yeah. So I think we spend a lot of time focusing on the negatives in relationships. You know, why isn't this going well? And not actually focusing on the good bits. You know, what do people do well that they need praising for? 
you know, one of the things I learned when I was working with actors was that you've got to really focus on what they're doing well and sort of uh, then say, okay, well, in order to be even better, perhaps you should be doing something different, slightly different here. So how many managers do we know we've had in the past uh, who've got the best out of us by saying, hey, Dave, you did that really brilliantly. Um, but perhaps, you know, this is something you need to work on now. When I'm thinking about working with the middle, which is I like to call it, is where you're working with middle managers. It's about finding out what they're doing that's okay and what could they be doing now to be even better. So, you know, I think the two go hand in hand, to be quite honest. Yeah, excellent. Well, we've got just about another minute to to commercial break. I'd be delighted to say we've got some Twitters coming in as well for you to respond to later in the show. Um, just very, excellent. Very quickly, Karen, just ask you before we go into commercial break, yeah. do, you, do you have any real life examples that really stick in your mind where relationships were, were particularly poor and what were the consequences? Uh, a relationship, well, uh, a Fortune 500 company that, I've, that I was working with, um, the the guys at the top of the company they had a particular way of how they they spoke to each other because they were both from military backgrounds and when it came to speaking to people further down the chain they weren't used to that so a lot of people were running to hr because it was it was absolutely unacceptable uh what was going on but to the guys at the top they thought it was normal because they were just doing what they learned in the military so it you know it it was that you know that thing again that one size fits all which it it's not you know it, it really isn't and that was particularly shocking for me I'd, I'd never seen anything like it but the two guys thought it was acceptable yeah sure we're going to get a commercial break now and we'll be back again in just a couple of minutes and we'll we'll start to move into um some great examples of extraordinary relationships and then some of the the key elements that we need to be considering. So we're back with you again in just a couple of minutes. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Would you like to work personally with the host of this show to help realize your potential? Chris Cooper supports business leaders and high potential individuals to achieve greater success in their businesses and careers. Support includes the opportunity to join a high-return group mentoring and mastermind program called the Achiever Program, one-to-one mentoring and coaching, facilitated leader development workshops and speeches. Email info at bemoreachievemore.com to arrange a free, no-obligation consultation to see how Chris and his team can help you. Are you a business innovator or are you just sitting on the sidelines? Tune in every week for Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Host Bonnie D. Graham talks to a cross-section of the movers and shakers who are leading by example. They will share best practices and innovative ideas to keep you thinking and moving along with the best. Join us for Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP, Wednesday mornings at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned in to Be More, Achieve More with host Chris Cooper. If you have a question or comment about our show, please direct your emails to info at bemoreachievemore.com. That's info at bemoreachievemore.com. Now, back to Chris Cooper. 
Hi, it's Chris Cooper of BeMoreAchievemore.com. I'm delighted to be with Dave Bradley and Karen Asampra. And we're talking about building extraordinary relationships in the workplace. Um, if you listened to the first part of the show and heard the, the staged fallout, then please do Twitter me at Chris D. Cooper with any comments that you have about what people could have done differently. I can see some people have already done that, which is great. Um, if you're listening to this as a, as a recording, then obviously don't do that, but do um, feel free to send any comments. Um, so we were, we were chatting just before the break about kind of, you know, situations and relationships that were particularly poor in business and their consequences. I know, Dave, you had one that you'd like to share. So... Yes, yeah, uh, uh, we were doing a, a particular job in uh, in the health service, in fact, and we're doing this job for some nurses, and we've been asked to do a short play to illustrate uh, how relationships need to be built, and what would be good, you know, how do you build good relationships? And so this short play was designed to show some of the things that weren't going right. Now. We're very sensitive when we write scripts about the language you use, so you don't want to put people off. And we sent the script to the client, the client sent it back and said, uh, this is great, but can we have more swearing? Uh, and we went, no, we don't put swearing in scripts. It's just, just not the way we do things. And uh, we got a reply back saying, no, we need more swearing. And the the uh, the manager in the script needs to do all the swearing. And we went, well, why? Why? Uh, and the response was, well, our chief executive does a lot of swearing and what's happened is we've actually lost two directors from the board because they just don't like uh, the language they uses and all, they're very good people and we need to put a stop to this but we're too frightened to actually tell him yeah. so if it's in the play then he might see himself in the play doing this swearing and then uh, it might have an effect so you know, we sort of said okay but you know on your head be it and uh, we did the play and instead of having the usual sort of <gasps> gasp and tutting and uh, instant complaints we had uh, everybody in the audience just started laughing so every time this manager started swearing the audience laughed and the chief executive two days later sent an email around saying that it was no longer acceptable for anybody in any part of the organization to swear because he realised that uh, this was actually causing a lot of offence and uh, causing people not to be able to give their best in the business. So it had the effect, but really it shouldn't have been down to him looking at a play to recognise how his words were affecting his um, his his team. Yeah. Good. So, so do you have any examples of you know, extraordinary relationships that really stick out in your mind, Dave? Uh, well, I have to go back to when I first started work, you know, how many of us can think of a really great manager who's got the best out of us? And often they've got the best out of us because not because they sort of gave us a big cuddle all the time and made life easy for us, but they actually built a relationship which helped us identify what we were good at and built on that and also said, well, here's where you can improve. I was very lucky when I started work. Uh, quite a long time ago, I started work as a teacher and uh, I did 10 years in the classroom and my boss, my first boss, he was always helping me out. He was always telling me what was going well, what I needed to improve in, uh, because basically he had in mind that I should be able to do his job as the head of department. And within 18 months, he'd moved on and I was head of department. And uh, I basically followed him up the school, getting promoted behind him. As he left a job and went further up, uh, he recognised that his job was to prepare me for the next line in management. 
And I've always thought that that is how, what the function of a great relationship with your manager is. Your manager is there to get the best out of you and actually make it so that you could take their place uh, and help you sort of to develop. So I think that's, that's you know, for me, that was a great, a great uh, relationship. Excellent. How, and how about you, Karen? Extraordinary relationship. Uh, well, a company that I was working with, what the director did, which I thought was fantastic, and you saw, uh, well, people used to have a lot of time off, basically, for sickness. And when the director did this, you saw this, the absenteeism just go, really. It was, it was hardly ever. So what he did was he got the lady from HR to get everybody's birthday up and he would send either a handwritten card or if he couldn't, he would send an e-card. And the staff absolutely loved it. Absolutely loved it because people felt valued. And I think that's what I was saying before about people being human beings. All we want is, you know, to feel valued, really, don't we? So that worked wonders. It's people taking a personal interest in you, isn't it, Karen? Yeah, it is. And, and that's what makes it different. It's like that moment when somebody, you know, when you meet somebody, you tell them the name, then maybe you might see them a month after and they go, Dave, hi, how are you? And you're thinking, oh, my gosh, they've remembered my name. And it might have just been a fleeting, a fleeting meeting, but they've remembered you. So it does, it really, really makes a difference. And having, like Dave said, that personal interest in you. Mm. Absolutely. So I'm just um, I'm just gonna sort of move on now. Let's have a think about you know what was kind of present is present in extraordinary relationships that uh, maybe weren't present uh, in the one that we had a little bit earlier on in the call when uh, you both got out. <laughs> do, you, yeah, yeah. do you want to start, Karen? Yeah. Well, I think extraordinary relationships, like uh, I've just finished on then, about making somebody feel valued. I think you know that's really important uh, for a person to feel valued, and that helps them also to be able to give more in their role. You know what they do, and if people feel valued, they feel that they're more than just the business. You know, and they feel part of the business as well. And then also that if someone's able just to be themselves in the business, not having to you know feel like they're being a different person, like when I mentioned the stiletto effect the lady who feels like she's been really masculine all the time to keep her job really when at the end of the day all she wants to do is is be a woman and you know act how she wants to act not acting like she's an alien really and it, you know this also helps to build self confidence within in yourself and within the organization that you're working in so i think those you know three things oh sorry four things help to build extraordinary relationships not only with yourself but also in the workplace excellent so do you just quickly summarize those back yeah so making a person feel valued yeah you know which helps them to be able to give more to their role which also helps them to be themselves we always talk about the word um authentic don't we well, nine out of ten times a person isn't being authentic. They're being who you think you want them to be. That's, that makes a lot of sense, yes. Yeah. Yes. And which also will help you build confidence with yourself and build confidence in the organisation. Yes. 
So, okay, so an organisation should design themselves around um, helping their staff feel valued. Yeah, and helping people to grow. Also, that's what we're here for, isn't it? To help people grow. And you want business to grow. So if you haven't got your staff growing, you're just going to stay stagnant in many ways. Sure. sure. And you also also mentioned to me when we were chatting about this, um, uh, I think you've also articulated before about you're not having a one-size-fits-all approach to managing people. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Well, it is very important. And and like Dave mentioned it before in the story that he said about the, the, um, the, the manager uh swearing all the time you know that might be acceptable for for him and you know the relationships that maybe he has out of work but it doesn't mean that it's acceptable in that business and to be fair with with that the the story that that Dave said I was uh, coaching a client of mine from an insurance firm and that's how he speaks all the time and is really rugged uh with with his staff and when we really looked at it, and this is what was the amazing thing, the way he spoke was the way he spoke to himself every single day. Now, this was a guy who had a really, really successful company, but he didn't see himself as a success. So, you know, that, that spoke volumes about how he saw himself as a person, but how he saw others also. So the one-size-fits-all approach uh, as meaning, you know, this guy saw himself in a certain way as being unsuccessful and he also saw his staff that way and that's the way he chose to speak to people, which wasn't getting results and which was, you know, people were resigning left, right and Mm -hmm. Mm centre. How about you, Dave? Well, it's interesting. This uh, Karen talks about one one size fits all, and um, Confucius. I'll bring Confucius into this. Well, why not? Uh, he was born in 551 BC, so that's uh, a good 2,000 odd years ago. And he dis- he defined respect as treat other people as you would want to be treated yourself. Yeah. Any degree with that? Would you? Absolutely. No, it's absolute nonsense. <laughs> And the reason is, you know, I know how I want to be treated, but I've really got to work to find out how you want to be treated. If it's one size fits all, it's about how do you want to be treated? So essentially, we should define respect as treat other people as they would want to be treated. Now, that requires so much more from us as leaders and managers to understand every individual in front of us. What how do they want to be treated by us? Uh, in other, other words, how do we actually show them respect? Interestingly, uh, there's been a lot of research on leadership and uh, one of the most important uh, criteria for being a great leader is that you show people uh, people trust you. Uh, interestingly, I've been working in a business recently and we did some work on values in this business and trust didn't come up at all. And when I surveyed all the people in the business and found that, you know, trust very rarely came up. And that is because it was an issue, because the people in the business trusted the leadership. It didn't cross their minds to think that trust wouldn't exist in, a, in an organisation, which is, which is a very nice thing to see. Uh, I also think it's very important that managers are open. You know, how often do you go into places where people are... You know, they've got a gripe, they've got a grumble with their manager, and they'll tell everybody other than the people they've got a problem with. You know, and that just builds deceit. It builds, it's, it's, there's no openness. You know, and occasionally, actually, you know, when management ma- management teams have 
really fallen apart. We just sat around in a circle and said, OK, uh, this director here, tell him now to his face why you don't, <laughs> what, what you think he needs to improve. <laughs> and these are kind of brutal sessions, but people actually open up and they go, well, I didn't realise you felt like that. Yeah. And uh, it, it suddenly clear, it starts to clear the air. People can start to realise why that relationship's built, uh, broken down. But I th still think that in order to get the best out, particularly out of middle managers, we need to really focus on how do we develop talent. Too often we throw this over to the HR team or the... Or the training team saying, uh, you know, we need a leadership programme. But actually, the bottom line is you as a manager know your job. You know it inside out. Your job now is to train your people and get the best out of them to develop their talents. Now, they might not all want to become managers, but they should be at a push, be able to step into your shoes if you're off sick or on holiday so things don't break down. So, you know, for me, it's about respect. It's about trust, it's about openness, and it's about developing the talent of your people. That's what makes an extraordinary relationship. So, so, I, guess, so I guess within that, it's about taking, therefore, taking some responsibility for um, contributing to the development of your, of your team and the talent that you have around you, as opposed to just delegating it to someone else. Absolutely. This concept of responsibility, that's an interesting one, isn't it? You know, because... Whose responsibility is it? I'm going to organisations and the, the managers go, well, uh, we haven't been trained. Well, whose responsibility is it? Have you asked for training? You know, have you actually pointed it out that you need this, uh, this new set of skills? Whose responsibility? Come on, take some responsibility. And I think we've spent too long knocking responsibility out of people by managers uh, not delegating and not praising and not recognising and it stops people developing. So I wonder, I mean, look, looking at some of the things, some of the things that people have challenges with and can be can be difficult. I mean, Karen, um, how do you think that people might uh, best, you know, give feedback that kills relationships? Because feedback sometimes uh, an issue or, or a, a challenge, particularly if there's things you're trying to, uh, you're nervous about touching on. Is Karen still there? Oh, sorry, yes. <laughs> sorry, it just broke off before, so I couldn't, I didn't hear your last question, sorry. And so my question, question was, was yeah. and that's giving feedback can be one area where people struggle, and yeah. giving feedback sometimes can either build a relationship or it can leave someone feeling a bit, bit sour and bitter and actually d destroy a relationship or yeah. damage it. Um, how should people best go about giving feedback that really builds relationships? Well, I think when you give feedback, you have to remember not to make it personal, which sometimes, you know, can happen. Um, and remember that, you know, words really do affect a person. So maybe think sometimes because you can give sometimes people say the um, the praise sandwich is a, is a great way to, to give feedback. Do you know the praise sandwich, Chris? I do indeed. Yeah. So sometimes people think that, you know, that's a great way to give feedback, but it doesn't. It's not that one size fits all again because some people just don't like it so I always say when you are giving feedback what is your motivation behind it and that's why I said you know don't make it personal is your motivation there you know to make somebody stagnant or is it you know for them to grow so we have to think about that all the time you know is it to help somebody or is it to get you know like a little digging of something that's been niggling you for a while so I think that's 
always really important, you know, so not to make it make it personal. And then also not just to assume when you go in there with your feedback, not just to assume that the person knows that what you think they have been doing wrong, that they know because sometimes they don't. And Dave, you know, hit on that before. And also, if you're not doing it already, ask questions when you are giving your feedback. Find out about the person. Find out, you know, what has been been a problem. And I always, always, always ask people to eliminate two words. And it's just and but, you know, because those sometimes can be seen as when someone's put that into a conversation. But you just did this, but, you know, it can be really harsh. So I always say, maybe when you're giving feedback, always put in there, but what if, or what if we could do this? So it feels more of a team and that that person's not out there by themselves. I think what I've found in, in that sort of situation that is very interesting is that if you do ask somebody first about, you know, how do you think a situation went or yeah. how are they feeling about something, that quite often they'll, they'll feel in themselves that they hadn't done a good job or something didn't go well and they'll actually be harder on themselves than you were about to be and, and, and give other information. So actually it becomes a less difficult uh, yeah. challenge than you thought. Yeah, because... I don't know why we do it, but we always assume the worst, don't we? <laughs> when you've got a meeting, the first thing that comes into somebody's head is, oh, my God, what, what have I done? Absolutely. Well, we're good. Not but, that you're going to be praised, but it's, it's what have I done wrong? Yes, yeah, absolutely. Um, we're we're going to go to another um, commercial break, so we'll be back again in just a couple of minutes. So okay. do join us and get Twitter into Chris D. Cooper. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Hi, I'm Rebecca Costa, host of the Costa Report every Tuesday at 6 a.m. and again at 6 p.m. This week, my guest is outspoken former congressman and one of our country's most prominent gay public figures, Mr. Barney Frank. He'll be with us to talk about the Supreme Court's ruling on DOMA and how the Obama presidency is doing in its second term. Don't miss Barney Frank this Tuesday at 6 a.m. and again at 6 p.m. on the Voice America Business Channel. Dialogue is the single most powerful leadership tool we have to make a difference in the world. Leading conversations with host Cheryl Esposito creates a place for that dialogue. Tune into the Voice America Business Channel every Friday as Cheryl hosts new conversations among leaders from around the world in business, government, art, economics, and social change. We'll explore big ideas and everyday actions and learn how their own leadership has led them to discover a newfound sense of possibility in the world. Leading conversations with Cheryl Esposito, bringing big thinkers together in conversations that make a difference right here on the Voice America Business Channel every Friday morning at 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. Would you like to work personally with the host of this show to help realize your potential? Chris Cooper supports business leaders and high potential individuals to achieve greater success in their businesses and careers. Support includes the opportunity to join a high return group mentoring and mastermind program called the Achiever Program one-to-one mentoring and coaching, facilitated leader development workshops and speeches. Email info at bemoreachievemore.com to arrange a free, no-obligation consultation to see how Chris and his team can help you. The business community's first choice in Internet talk radio, Voice America Business Network.
tuned in to Be More, Achieve More with host Chris Cooper. If you have a question or comment about our show, please direct your emails to info at bemoreachievemore.com. That's info at bemoreachievemore.com. Now, back to Chris Cooper. Dave, it might be you and I in a moment. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Shall we just talk about communication for a bit then, Chris? Talk about communication for a bit while I get, while I get Karen. Yeah, because it's, it's uh, always interesting when you go into organisations and say, what's the biggest issue around here? And without fail, an audience put their hand up and they'll say, communication's the, the worst thing. And you go say to yourself, who is responsible for communication? You know, if you feel that communication is bad, what are you doing about it? Yeah. And... It's about sometimes people's perceptions of communication, which is which is important. You know, they've got to perceive that you are communicating with them. Uh, I um, had a colleague once who came up to me and he said, "Oh, I didn't know about this project, Dave. Uh, nobody's told me about it, and I knew that he'd been working on it for six weeks. I'd even got reports of the things that he'd been doing." Um, but the bottom line is that I, as the MD, hadn't gone up to him, sat him down and had a conversation with him about the project. I just assumed because he was doing it, he was quite comfortable with it. So for me, communication is about how do you make people or help people perceive that they're being communicated with. Definitely. And being out, being out of the loop is one thing that does upset people, doesn't it? But I guess it's also some people are happy getting on with projects with less communication than others. So the point you made earlier about really finding out what people need uh, how they needed to be need to be communicated to is important because one size doesn't fit all. Yeah, yeah. How about you, Karen? Any thoughts on that? Yeah, and no, I, I agree with that. We have, you know, communication at the moment. Everything seems to be via email, doesn't it? Everything's email. Nobody seems to pick up the phone and, and ring you anymore, which I find really quite bizarre. It's even happened to myself. I, I even had to have a word with my agent. Uh, the other day because she sent me an email about a job I had to be for uh, the next day and I thought gosh what if my emails weren't coming through or anything she just assumed because we live in a, a society where everything's everything's now that I that I would have got it and so I had to say for me my preference is please don't leave that to email please pick up the phone and I mean, after all, we are human beings, and human beings for thousands of years have sat around campfires talking to each other, and we should never lose sight of the fact that that is how most people prefer to be communicated with, not actually sitting around a campfire, but actually, you know, face-to-face -face communication, talking to each other, um, that's how we feel we're being, you know, that's where our perception of communication comes from. So, you know, for me, it's always about asking people how do you want to be communicated with that concept of respect you know Confucius, confucian definition treat other people as you want to be treated well you know you've got to find out how people want to be treated how they want to be communicated with uh, and quite often it's interesting when you go into organizations and say well have you asked your colleague how they want to be communicated with and most of them will say that they prefer face-to-face -face communication can you send me an email to just back up the conversation so I, th I think Karen made a really important point though about, about email it is uh, it is something that can very easily get you into hot water if you're not careful what you think you know what you're writing I, I was talking to someone about that very this morning they sent an email out which uh, was about a, you know a really good point that they had to make about something um, but if you're reading it back independently you think it was a, a complaint <laughs> 
yeah. and uh, and and was a you know was a dig, but actually the intention to him was very positive. Before we um, we go onto those uh, those twitters, which we will in a minute, is um, is you when we were chatting, you talked about a really important uh, issue, which was about dealing with difficult people. I know you call them vinegar veras, because I think that how you deal with a difficult person, a difficult person can have a big impact on morale and uh, in, in, in a business. Absolutely. I mean, this is a story. I was working for a large supermarket chain and uh, they were, they'd got this phrase for a group of people. They called them the vinegar veras. These were people who, as a manager, you talk to them, they go, yes, that's right, we'll do that, etc., etc. And as soon as you'd gone out of the room, then they would start talking about you behind your back undermining everything you did said and so it was the it, it was the shadow side in operation which was uh, very interesting uh, and I think it's important that we um, we as a manager you've got to be able to sit if I sit you down and say okay who is it who's 100% on your side in your team and they'll probably be able to give me two or three names who is it would uh, basically go along with you if you were there but if you weren't there, they might well side with the uh, the difficult people in the team. And you might get up a group in the middle and then you'd say, well, who is it in your team is sort of undermining everything you're doing? And then the concept is you basically start working on the keeping the people on side that you really get on well with and who want you to succeed as a manager. And then you start to look at the people who are sort of sitting on the fence and work work with them to develop them and communicate with them so they're 100% on side. So you gradually isolate the shadow side and you gradually make it so that the people who uh, for some reason are being difficult are not having the influence they used to have. So then you've got to say to yourself, well, what is it that makes these people difficult? Why do they act like they particularly do? And quite often it's because they, 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 they lack sick they like significance. They like to hear the sound of their own voice. Mm. Uh, I once did a conference where there was a, 300 people in the audience and the managing director was doing their speech and this gentleman kept interrupting him. <laughs> and he would actually stand up in the middle of the managing director's speech and say, well, I don't agree with that. I think that's, I think that's a load of old rubbish. And basically sit down again. And I thought, well, you know, why is that guy doing that? And at the break, I went to have a chat with him, and it was basically, he was a pretty sound guy. It's just that nobody ever listened to him, and it was his only way of getting people to listen to his ideas. And he had some pretty good ideas, but because of the way he was, and because he was quite a big personality, people thought he was just being difficult, and so he just played up to being difficult. You know, they say I'm difficult, so I will be difficult. I, I thought the one of the relationships that I thought was particularly interesting in the media in the last year has been the Australian sort of prime ministerial situation with the previous president kind of ousting Kevin Rudd, Julie Gillard, kind of ousting him, and then uh, he's now come back in to play again. Uh, I imagine that was quite a difficult relationship for a while. Uh, I bet it still is a bit quite a difficult relationship, what do you reckon? <laughs> um, so let's have, let's answer these Twitters then, because we've only got a few minutes left. I'm just going to look at my, my sort of Twitter feed and um, just looking through here. got some ones from listening to a good debate. Some, one from here from Hazel Pearson. Um, Karen, thank you, Hazel. Karen could have found some common ground with Dave. Any comments on that? Fantastic show. Oh, well, thank you very much for a fantastic show. Yeah, we could have found uh, 
some common grounds. I got uh, going back to the conversation uh, that we had, and I think that's always best to do. It's when you know we were talking before about values and beliefs, and they always say, you know, the person who who your values match are the person that you are going to find a lot more common ground with. So yeah, that that's a, a really good one. Because actually, we were both had the same intention. We yeah. both want to make extraordinary relationships. So, you know, from a starting point, we've got a really good common ground. Okay. Um, so we've got, what else have we got? We've got Sarah Beth. Um, Sarah Beth said, you had me going, thought everyone had fallen out. Um, Dave could have listened to Karen's views. Sounded like he was cutting her off. It's your fault, Dave. Yeah. Well, yeah, I'll accept full responsibility for that. <laughs> Karen just talks too much, you know. Uh, <laughs> Trying to get a word in edgeways. Yeah. No, that's that's it's true. You've got to you've got to listen to people and actually prepared to uh, to to give them a bit of air, what I call air time. You know, say, okay, what what do you think about this? And how often have we been in managerial meetings where some people have been talking? And there's been somebody who's an introvert in the room and nobody's given them any opportunity to speak. And I think it's very important that we actually manage meetings such that we might ask a question and say, oh, thanks very much for that, John. Uh, well, Karen, what do you think? Karen, that was a cue. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I thought you'd gone again. Sorry. I, thought we, I thought we were role-playing again, Dave. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We're doing. Yeah. No, you know. Sarah Beth also tweeted again, um, suggesting to people to eliminate words just and but from feedback in meetings. Use what if. Makes people, people feel part of a team. That's clearly what she got from listening to this. So um, I think that's a really good take out from it. It also opens up lots of possibilities if you ask what if, uh, because it starts to stretch people's minds and engage their creativity. And you know, I think quite often uh, in managerial situations we don't engage people's creativity we run processes and we don't ask people well you know what do you think how could we improve this you know we don't ask that sort of what if question to get people to think slightly differently and then you see people you know how often have you been into um, a restaurant not a restaurant perhaps um, an organization where you've got a complaint about something and all they do is talk about how the computer's broken down, how the process hasn't worked, how somebody else should have been doing their job. Yeah. Mm. Uh, and what if tends to open those possibilities up? Absolutely. Oh, so, Karen, you're, you're with us. Yes. I just, want, I just want to ask really now, um, we're coming to the end of the interview, but, I mean, do you have any final messages that you'd like to leave us with, Karen? Yeah. Everybody to remember that in your organisation that there are some absolute diamonds uh, that you have working for you. And so to remember really to value them, that they are human beings and don't just assume and ask questions. But I'd also like to leave us with a little quote, if you don't mind. And it's uh, a quote by Carl Jung. And it goes, the meeting of two personalities is like the contact of two chemical substances. If there is any re reaction, both are transformed. And I think that's something to remember. Great way to end the show. Thank you, Karen. And, and how about you, Dave? Well, I just like to get people to focus on getting the best out of their people. I think when we're actually focused on developing people's talents 
and making it, it seem like we are really listening to them, like we're trying to get the best out of them. And I think that's when we start to nurture the best relationships. And I'll go back to the point I made right at the beginning of the programme, which was to say, you know, our role as managers, our role as leaders is to get results for the company. Fantastic. Well, thank you very much for both being on the show today. And also thank you to uh, to Hazel Pearson and, and Sarah Beth for sending in um, some um, Twitters to us. Um, also, for more information on Dave Bradley, go to um, uh, davebradley.co. Is that correct, Dave? So either davebradley.co or davebradleyspeaker.com. Fantastic. And to Karen Asemper, go to karenasemper.com. That's um, Asemper is spelled A-S-E-M-P-E-R.com. Is that correct, Karen? That's correct. Thank you. Thank you. Well, thanks very much to both of you. And if you've got any questions or feedback, please send them to me at chris at bemoreachievemore.com or leave them on my Facebook page at facebook.com slash bemoreachievemore. Send them via Twitter. Always like to hear from you. Uh, if you think you've got something really special to add to this show as a guest, do get in touch with me as well. Um, also, just like to mention next week's show, we've got uh, Simon Zucci. Um, Simon is a really exceptional real estate investor. And I actually pre-recorded this show with Simon because he was traveling next Friday. Um, and uh, there's some really, really great content. On there. If you're interested in investing in real estate, either with your uh, the company uh, business um, uh, profits or you're looking to do it personally uh, with your own wealth, then I would strongly recommend listening to that show. And again, once again, thank you ever so much, Dave and also Karen. Thank you. Thanks, Chris. You're very welcome. And we'll see you again next week. Speak to you again next week. Thank you for listening to Be More, Achieve More. Please join your host, Chris Cooper, again next Friday at 8 a.m. U.S. Pacific Time, typically 4 p.m. London on the Voice America Business Channel. Enjoy your week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.